Good morning. I got a text message uh, during the special music. I was listening, but I also got a text message. Uh, I got a text message from Casey Larson, and he said, uh, we're watching live stream. We miss our our church family. So could we say hello to them as they're watching? Hello. They're crying. They're throwing rose petals just for you guys. I see them. Believe me. Um, If you could hear me, uh, that's because uh, Tyler Parker is running sound for the first time on his own. He's done a fantastic job. So we're grateful for him and and all the people that contribute to the worship experience. Just a little reminder, I think we heard it during church life. Something that's happening starting July 28th. It's on a Friday. Lee Venden will be doing a series here, seminar, called All About Jesus. And we begin that Friday evening. So uh, weekdays and on Sundays we will have it here at 6.30. And then on Sabbath he'll be with us July 29th. He'll speak for both services and at 2.30 in the afternoon. And he'll even be the first speaker for August at Cala Mesa. So we're looking forward to this uh, week of spiritual renewal, if you would. So we encourage you to attend. And if you have anybody that you think would like to hear all about Jesus, uh, we encourage you to do that. And we have brochures in the lobby. So. Something that I find interesting is how events and accomplishments that we have nothing to do with seem to impact our lives so much. We feel it deeply even though we had nothing to do with that accomplishment or event. Example, a couple weeks ago, the NBA Finals, the Warriors defeated the Cleveland Cavaliers. You are forgiven. And, And you know what people started saying? We're number one. We're number, did you play? No. Did you coach? Did you own the team? No, we're number one. You had nothing to do with that, but you feel it deeply. See right there when the Cubs won, we've been waiting over 100 years for this. You're 32, how how is that possible? Late last year, a movie came out, Hacksaw Ridge on Desmond Doss. His story, his testimony, he served, he was in battle, but he didn't bear arms, and he was Adventist. They're making a movie about us. Hollywood is making a movie about me. We should get nominated, we deserve an Oscar. We didn't go to battle, name's not Desmond, but I felt it deeply. Where we attend, where we work, the success of that place, the scandals of that place affect us, even if it has nothing to do with us, right? We feel as if it's our victory, our defeat. We react as if it's our story. And it's the same thing with our faith, because it's not just about what happens in my life, it's also about what happens in your life that impacts my life and faith. Because I was born and raised in an Adventist home. See, I was baptized as well. And my faith was important. But it didn't just begin with me. It wasn't just God working in my life. He touched the lives of my parents. They were also Adventists. 
Their faith, their experience is also part of my life, my faith. And so too does the history of our church. I like how Alex Bryan put it. He said that the, the streams of Adventism were fed by the tears of the great disappointment. And some of us may say, well, we weren't officially a church during that time, but it's still part of our story. The disappointments, the celebrations. God was at work long before I was born. And God was definitely at work long before Adventists were around. I mean, you see how Paul used to persecute Christians. He was zealous. He obeyed the law. But God was at work in his life and changed them. And Paul listened. Now, most of the books in the New Testament were written by him. His story has affected my story. For God has been at work even before Christians were around. The Old Testament is also part of our sacred text. We see God at work in many people's lives. And it impacts us. It's our story too. In particular, the story of Moses. See, Moses, he was important. Important figure. He listened. God came to him and said, My people are in misery. They've been slaves for over 400 years. And I've heard their cry. I need you to go to Pharaoh. And we know the story, right? He goes there and he sends the message, let my people go. And there's this back and forth that happens, right? Plagues. Still, no, don't want to let them go. Another plague. And eventually there's a plague that hits home to Pharaoh. He says, you know what? Leave. Fine. Go. All the Israelites, it's time for you to go. And it describes how they were leaving. And God says, let's not go down this road. Even though it's shorter. Let's not go down this road because then the Israelites will be tempted to retreat when they face battle. Instead, go to the Red Sea. Camp out right there. That's where you need to be. Moses says, okay, sounds great. We'll do that. And God, as he's talking to Moses, you got to keep in mind that the, the Israelites, they left Egypt armed for battle. So if you're visualizing them just taking donkeys or clothing or food, that, that could be true. But remember, they were armed for battle. God tells Moses, look, I'm going to use Pharaoh and his army to bring me glory. Just wait, Moses. I'm going to use his army so that all of Egypt knows I am Lord. Go to the Red Sea. They park there. And then sure enough, the Egyptians, they realize, they say, wait a second, why did we let these people go? We need their services. We knew we treated them like slaves, but they are still valuable to what we have going on here. And Pharaoh said, yeah, you're right. Let's go. So he gets his army together, an intimidating army. And they begin to, to pursue the Israelites. And the Israelites obviously do what we see them do often. They complain. They worry. Sarcastically, they tell Moses, were there not enough graves in Egypt? Is that why you brought us out here to die, Moses? Moses tells him, don't worry. God's going to part the waters. We're going to walk on dry land. Don't you worry. And Moses goes to God, and God tells Moses, why are you crying out to me? Cross. I already told you what needs to happen. Cross. That's what you need to do. The ground will be dry, and I will use Pharaoh's army to bring me glory. Cross. So they cross, and sure enough, eventually the waters come, and it defeats Pharaoh's army. 
And once they, they're defeated, Israel is no longer under the threat of slavery. They are free, officially free. God displayed his glory. And you see in Exodus 14, 31, after this happened, it says that when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord or were in awe of the Lord. And they put their trust in him and in, his, uh, and in Moses, his servant. God had worked in their life and they began to listen because they were in awe. They crossed and the story was not over. They cross, and then eventually God teaches them that, hey, we have this covenant. we got to have a relationship now. You belong to me, only me. He gives them the list, and then we hear about the golden calf. They have this idol, and even though they just started this relationship, this covenant with God, they break it. And God's upset, real upset, because he's hurt, because he takes his relationship seriously. And Moses comes to God saying, please don't send us here without you. Show me your ways. And God says, okay. And Moses tells him, show me your glory. What a bold request to make when your people have really messed it up. Show me your glory. And God says, I will show you my goodness and I will tell you my name. And we know that story where he, where God passes by Moses And he tells them his name, which is really saying, here's the kind of God I am. Here's my character. In case you forgot those over 400 years you guys were, you were were in Egypt, let me remind you of the God I really am. Let me tell you my name. Exodus 34, verse 6. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Show me your glory. And he tells him his name. And that's such a critical part in Exodus. Because it tells us about who God really is. He's compassionate. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He maintains love to thousands. So what does that have to do with Psalm 77? We're in a series on Psalm, and today's passage, the assigned passage was chapter 77. So let's look at it. Psalm 77 says, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. And the psalmist here, he's fatigued. He's experiencing insomnia. Some would say that in many ways, he fits the criteria of somebody who's experiencing depression. Continues, verse 6, I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated, and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? It echoes the name of God. 
that we found in Exodus. See, Psalm 77 is a lament. The psalmist, he's struggling, experiencing defeat. The psalm is a lament. And for a lot of people, they understand that this is most likely a reference, this defeat they're, they're experiencing is that Babylon has now destroyed the temple, attacked Jerusalem. That's the defeat that they're experiencing. So when he's saying, I am having a hard time here, where are you at, God? Because we are being defeated. That's a completely different picture than the one I see in the lives of Moses and the Israelites. Pharaoh's army was defeated. The the Israelites were set free. But we were just defeated by Babylon, and we're going to go back into slavery. I'm having a hard time making sense of this. His lament was legitimate because it contradicted what he was experiencing and what was part of the story of Moses. We continue to verse 10, which is a turning point in this psalm. He said, Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all of your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. The psalmist says, I choose to remember. The psalmist doesn't just focus on himself, on his difficult time. He says, I need to remember how God has worked in the past because that is also part of my story. It's my story because it's talking about my God. So I choose to remember Remembering is such a powerful discipline. Ellen White in Steps to Christ, in the chapter on prayer, a great phrase in there says, prayer doesn't bring God down to us. It brings us up to God. I was looking forward to Roatan, seeing the people and working with uh, the new team. One thing I was excited about is uh, Jason Moran brought his drone. I was like, I've been to this place many times. I've seen it. It looks great. I want to see it. Take a look at this picture. Uh, that's Trace right there at work, doing his job, doing a great job. Playing, right? Zoom out. Yeah, so what was around Trace was that blue tarp because it was pouring rain. Trying to keep people dry. The winds are strong. And, you know, you have somebody who's right there. You've got to tend to them. It's like teamwork. Zoom out a little bit more. This is a picture of, of, the, of the drone. You see the people right there. You see on the porch, that's where the, the dental clinic is at. Zoom out a little bit more. That's Paya Bay. I felt just looking at that picture compared to the tarps and everything, it just felt a little different. Same place. Same work needed to be done. Same challenges. But it's something different. It's a different perspective. Prayer brings us up to God, and the psalmist says, I need to remember who God is, what he's done in the past. I can't just look at myself and my conflicts. I need to set my sights on something bigger. The psalmist continues, Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples with your mighty arm. You redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God, and the waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. 
The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Here it is. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. This is who the psalmist is choosing to remember and recall. He's realizing that even though this happened well before his lifetime, it's still part of his story because it's talking about his God, the same God. It's still part of his faith. And that's how the Jewish people saw it. It was part of their faith. And it has the capacity to do the same in our own lives. Remembering is a discipline that's a, that we have to incorporate into our lives. See, but the psalmist wasn't just remembering better times. I'm going to choose to think of when everything was easier and successful. Really what he's recalling is who God really was. Who God really is. Because he understood that in those moments where they crossed the Red Sea, that's who God really was. Hard times can be deceiving. When we grieve, when we hurt, when we face crisis, it could be deceiving. It makes things more complicated. It doesn't give us an accurate picture because it's deceptive. During Pastor Appreciation Month, I know we appreciate the pastors, the notes that you write, the little messages. Appreciate you for doing this. We like that you do that. Blah, blah, blah. We like that. You probably get those things at where you work too, right? Emails from your boss, former client, student comes up to you and says something, gives you a card, gives you a gift. I like to hold on to those things. I have my stash. Even in my email, I have a little folder for those little things I have to, you know, compliments or good things. When do I go to those? When everything's great? When everybody's complimenting me, when I've made zero mistakes? No. I go back to those when I've made mistakes. When I experience crisis, I'm overwhelmed, when I'm feeling low. And I go back to those because I says, this is, this is really who I am. This is more of an accurate picture. Right now, I'm in a bad place, but I'm not going to be defined by my worst moment. Hard times can be deceptive, so we got to remember the good times, too. We practice communion here. Next week, we're going to take part in the Lord's Supper. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this, or you will forget. You may not appreciate as much the sacrifice that I've made in your life, the imagery. He also said, wash each other's feet. Don't forget about that. That's important. It reminds you to be humble. It reminds you to think about others more than yourself. It allows you to forgive your brother and sister that's hurt you. You practice humility. Do this in remembrance of me as power in our lives. We remember every week as well. Every week we come here because we welcome, we embrace we experience Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You see that in Exodus. It's part of the commandments. 
I like the commandments that are in Deuteronomy chapter 5. They're listed there as well. Same commands, same list. And a couple of them have a little different taste. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. We're familiar with this part. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Verse 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Remember that you were in a place that said you were a slave, and they were wrong. They said all you were good for was making bricks. All you were good for was making Egypt more powerful. That's not what you were created for. Who you are is much more important than what you do and what you produce. We need Sabbath. During the week, it's pressures. It's about deadlines. It's about grades that we're not making. It's about debt we have. It's about promotions we didn't get. There's chaos during the week, and it's taking us away because it's, it's trying to tell us that all we're good for is doing and producing. And Sabbath, God says, I am your creator. You are my child. This is who you really are. That's why nobody works. Master and slave are equal. That is the reality. Native and foreigner equal. That is reality. We need Sabbath. That's why we remember it. So we remember who God is as creator and who we are, his creation. The psalmist had a legitimate lament. He's experiencing agony there. And as you read this psalm, you don't see the psalmist saying, I feel better now. Problems are gone now. Babylon has fled. The temple is remodeled again. You didn't hear that. Sometimes our only option is to remember who God is. The psalmist said, all I could do right now is remember who God is and what he's done in the past. Remembering. I wish I could tell you that God's always going to spare us from pain. That he's going to fix every one of our problems, and he's not, at least not yet. He is, after all, the God who says, I am making all things new. That is still the same God. Sometimes God calls us to walk through seas, but he walks through them with us to show his power and to set us free. The psalmist remembered that God used Pharaoh's army to bring him glory. And we could do the same thing, too. Because there's a different empire. It wasn't Egypt. It was Rome. And Rome also had an army. People also did get very scared. But Rome also had this thing called the cross. The cross was much more than just a punishment. It was a message. So when you see people there, they're, just, they're being punished. But everybody knows, oh, Rome is in charge here. Rome does not like any rivals. Rome runs this place. So we're going to use a cross, not just as a punishment, but to send a message. And you see Jesus saying, 
yeah, I've heard of Egypt, I've heard of powers before, and I've used it for my glory. And I see Rome, and I see that cross. So I'm going to use that for my glory too. And when you see Jesus on the cross, it showed that he is loving, that he is abounding in grace and love, that he is a God who is slow to anger because he'd rather die than to hold an eternal grudge. And he didn't just set his people free for a time. On that cross, he set us free for all time. That's the same God. It's still part of my story. And it's just not my faith and my experience. It's also the faith of my community, present and in the past. Our faith was never meant to be in isolation. When we experience chaos, we need to remember that God is constant. God is who he is. When we experience defeat, we got to remember that God is still reliable. That when we can't escape circumstances, we got to remember that God said, let's go through this Red Sea together. When we lament, when we celebrate, let's remember who God is, because that just might be enough for tomorrow, for today and tomorrow. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for who you are, the God you are. And we thank you that that is enough. But we understand that sometimes there's pain, there's challenges, there's questions. And so in those times, we need you more than ever. Thank you for being our constant in the world filled with chaos. Thank you for Jesus. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. May the compassionate and gracious God, who's slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, be your God today and forevermore. Amen.